two um, two young people who unfortunately committed suicide in my tribal community. And in the state of Colorado, the south, the western slope in general has a lot of high, have very high numbers of teen suicide rates. And I didn't want the conversation around the mental health need to miss the tribal communities because there was potential lack of communication or because the strength of that relationship was not there. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of Keynotes, a podcast from the Keystone Policy Center and the second episode in our series examining our COVID-19 response effort among tribal communities in Southwest Colorado. Last time we highlighted the food response effort and the broader need to develop a food security system for rural communities in the Southwest region of the United States. On this episode, we're going to discuss how Keystone partnered with state government, tribal government, and community leaders to try to meet the skyrocketing need for mental health services for the rural communities of Southwest Colorado, which have only exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to an article published in August by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, elevated levels of adverse mental health conditions, substance abuse, and suicidal ideation were reported by adults in the United States in June 2020. The prevalence of symptoms of anxiety disorder was approximately three times those reported in the second quarter of 2019, and the prevalence of depressive disorder was approximately four times that reported in the second quarter of 2019. I doubt this is a surprise to anybody. The bottom line? Mental health concerns for Americans have significantly increased during the COVID-19 pandemic. yet this is another issue that has disproportionately affected American Indian and Alaska Native communities. Again, I reference reports released by the CDC this time in 2018 and 2019, which state that Native and Indigenous people in America reported experiencing serious psychological distress at a rate two and a half times more than that of the general population, and the suicide death rate for younger Native and Indigenous people between the ages of 15 to 19 is more than double that of non-Hispanic white persons. It stands to reason that those higher rates of mental health distress among Native and Indigenous people would also grow during the pandemic, and the rate for mental health service utilizations among American Indian and Alaska Native communities is alarmingly low, for a number of different factors. That is why, starting in early 2019, Keystone Policy Center began working with Colorado elected officials, tribal leaders, and the surrounding communities to address the mental health needs in Southwest Colorado. Ernest House Jr., the director of Keystone's American Indian Alaska Native Program, led the initiative partnering with tribal leaders and the Colorado Lieutenant Governor's Office to conduct a series of mental health listening sessions to hear from residents of Southwest Colorado and learn about the needs related to mental health in the region. I mean, the mental health needs, especially this was a conversation we were having before pre-COVID, right? And particularly this project was launched, um, I want to say, February 2019. I brought it up uh, because you know, mental health doesn't care if you reside on an Indian reservation or or not. Um, everybody has, has seen its impact. And seeing my own tribal community and a lot of other rural places in Colorado have very high numbers and trying to also figure out ways to address the issue needs to have everybody at the table. And I think that was that was the biggest reason why initially we at Keystone looked to have this collaboration between the tribes and the state. The state had already let us know they were looking at uh, creating a behavioral health task force 
And a lot of our information went back into those efforts, or at least went back into what they were going to do and what those outreach efforts need to be. As House mentions, it isn't just the tribal community seeing high rates of mental health distress, but the entire region of Colorado's southwest corner, as well as other rural regions across the state and across the country. According to the Colorado Center for Health and Environmental Data, from 2004 to 2019, Montezuma, La Plata, and Archuleta counties in southwest Colorado averaged 26 deaths by suicide per 100,000 people. That is compared to around 17 for Denver County. So the mental health listening sessions were conducted region-wide. We purposefully held listening sessions in tribal communities so that people felt comfortable being around people who they know. It's important that people, that we create a safe space to talk about this because there's a lot more stuff that come out obviously during that, that have been challenging in rural parts of the state. Now, we also held listening sessions at the local high school and at Fort Lewis College, because it's also important to get the much, the, also the, the additional context of neighbors and, and non-tribe members that live in the, in the surrounding communities, because again, everybody's dealing with this issue. And it's not just particular to Ute Mountain or Southern Ute or Cortez or Dolores or Durango or Mancus or Telluride or whatever it might be. This region in the Southwest is dealing with it in general. And it was it was really neat to see a lot of these groups already coming together, the local school districts coming together to work with local nonprofits about ways to have and to continue the conversation from there. House began discussing the mental health listening sessions with state and tribal leaders in February 2019, during a time that the state was in the process of developing a behavior health task force which was launched in April 2019. Not long after that, the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe initiated the Mogowan Behavior Health Program, which had been years in the making, to provide a range of health services for Toyok and White Mesa, which is the Ute Mountain Ute community in Utah. Todd Geeson is the program's director and joined House in many of the listening sessions, which were conducted in the fall of 2019. It was our pleasure to co-host um, with Ernest uh, the Lieutenant Governor's uh, mental health listening sessions, those were huge. And it's great credit to our state to foster that government to government relationship. Um, Because recently Governor Polis adopted um, all of the resolutions that were brought forth from the BH task force, the behavioral health task force. And so Governor Polis just adopted those. And we had a lot of input into that. And that has helped bring funding uh, to the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe for behavioral health. And we are a direct recipient of some of those funds. And those funds have been pivotal to bring the care that we have in our team to bear. So I, you know, I can't say enough about those listening sessions because as they were taking notes, we were devising plans on the run um, because we were fresh. We were brand new. I think they were held in August of 2019. And so we were kind of fresh out of the gate. We were doing some uh, some seminal work. And when uh, Lieutenant Governor and Keystone came to the reservation, it was really us saying here. And, uh, and that, those are huge. Those are huge. I can't say enough about that. Geeson and his team have developed what he terms a strengths-based approach to providing mental health and addiction services for the Ute Mountain community, focusing on the resources within the tribe to provide support. Everything we need, essentially, is available to every tribal member. And it's for us, it's how do we help them see that we're available 
to meet that need and, and that they they are, they have that need. And the social determinants of poverty and the social determinants of health run parallel tracks. And that's where we, we, we really want to use um, health care and mental health care, particularly here in our office, is to that we see those run parallel tracks because stress comes from external things and some from internal things. But if we can eliminate some of those external stressors that cause anxiety, that cause you to sit back and look at your circumstances in a negative light, if we can eliminate some of those and just bring those services to light, we're not fixing that. We're just making those services available. What I found most striking about the approach taken by the Mogawan Behavior Health Program was its integration of the unique cultural values of the tribe such as history and language, and incorporating those values into the services the program provides. And then with that approach, working with all generations, young and old, teaching coping and behavior skills that will help preserve the future of the tribe in many different facets. Who's coming up? Because we want to ensure a strong and flourishing future by honoring the past and serving the present. We don't want to just look at the adults. Um, and the elders, we, we're, we're working with our students and these young people and trying to work with them on pro-social behaviors and activities. And our uh, addictions counselor does that so well because she's an elder. And so she brings the past to bear because she's a fluent youth speaker. And then she brings the future in by bringing those young people up and holding the groups with adults and with students and, and the children. And so we've got this great mix and th- that's all been a fruition of those mental health listening sessions. Remember what I referenced at the beginning of this episode, American Indian and Alaska Native communities utilize mental health services at a far lower rate than other demographic groups. And this is for a number of different reasons. It is this type of tribally developed, tribally specific approach involving older and younger generations that Ernest House believes will be most effective in combating mental health and addiction difficulties of the community and spurring members to access the services available to them. And one thing I think that we've seen example after example, especially in the last five years, has been tribes taking over their own process of how to do a particular issue or how to solve a particular issue and crafting it that meets their needs. And I know that's that might be really easy for some people to look at and go, well, of course, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do that? But when tribes are having loss of language, loss of culture, loss of history, being able to bring some of those elements back on how how Todd and his team are approaching mental health from a Nuchu standpoint, from a Ute standpoint, is so important. Or how they're trying to, in the education department, revive their Ute history and language by crafting a Ute curriculum that they can teach that's never been taught in their community before. Like, those are elements that are going to be the ones that stick and are longstanding and probably be the ones that's going to work because it's, it is something that they, they're taking control over and, and they're invested in. And so I think that every, anytime they see those partners that are approaching it the same way and wanting to have um, tribally driven possibilities and solutions, I think are going to be lead to the ultimate success. But just as Geeson and his team at the Mogwan Behavior Health Program were quickly developing strong mental health and addiction services support, the COVID-19 pandemic hit, which again circles us back to the crux of this work. 
the disproportionate impact of this pandemic on tribal communities. And even though the Mogawan Behavioral Health Program was in the process of launching a telehealth initiative, the type of service that has been utilized throughout the country at record levels during this pandemic, the structural challenges faced by rural communities made accessing those services for tribal members almost impossible. Those people who are outside the cable modem access, they don't have access to mental health care on demand. When we were sent home to, uh, due to COVID restrictions, our therapy team had access to cutting edge tools. And we thought, you know, we, we were going to launch, launch that come this spring. So, man, they had the best tools available to them through an electronic health record that's secure, that's standardized, um, that's cutting edge. But we were finding out that although everybody has a mobile phone, they, since our folks use pay-as-you-go plans here in our community, we were burning up all their data to do a video call, um, to do a video telemental health. Well, then we had to resort to um, just telephonic care. So while significant advances have been made in the last 18 months in providing access to mental health care services in rural and tribal communities, a structural need hindered the delivery of those services during a time that they were needed most. But the impact of that need is not only confined to providing mental health services, it's far more widespread, from slowing the local economy to impeding education. And it's something I bet you and I take for granted every single day. On the next episode of Keynotes. Broadband is, it is a rural issue, but then let's niche it down to, to the tribal lands. Recently, our local school system off reservation because our kids don't go to school here on reservation. They had a COVID scare. So all the seventh graders have come home. So those kids that were now in school have to do school virtually. Well, if they live outside of our where we do cable Internet, there's, there's an inequality there for education. Keynotes is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado, which, for more than 45 years, has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by contributions from the Ballantine Family Fund and the Denver Foundation. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org.